Welcome to It's DRN. On today's episode, it's all about the New Year's work resolutions, because it's not enough to be able to decompress and de-stress outside of work. Being at work needs to be something less than secondary trauma all the time. Also, less dehydrating, just overall. I'm your host, Anidia Ren, and I hope you'll stick around to listen. It's an e. It's a D. It's an E-D. It's an E. Dance for emergency. It's a D. Dance for department. It's an E-D. Not erectile dysfunction. Episode 33, an EDRN Charts by Exception. Welcome to my podcast, it's an EDRN. I am your host, an EDRN, and today we are talking about work resolutions for this new lunar year of ours. Last episode, we talked about more life goals and life resolutions and life plans. Now... I'm back on my bullshit about work and work goals. Uh, If you're new to this show, welcome. I'm glad that you found me and I'm glad you're here. I've been a nurse for 11 years. I started out in med surge and then I went to ICU and then I got talked into being a nurse manager for like five years and then a year and a half ago, I came to my senses. I realized that life is short and I went back to bedside in the emergency department and it is a good fit for me. So, since I like work and I tend to do it a lot, especially right now, I'm on a bonus plan so that I can go to Paris, let's talk about work goals for this coming year. My first work goal, bare minimum charting. This sounds very controversial, but follow me on this. (laughs) I am not that nurse who is going to just chart in the greatest of detail, body systems that are perfectly normal. So if someone comes in because they sawed their hand off on a rotary saw in their garage and their lung sounds are clear, I'm not going to fill out that entire section with no respiratory complaints, lung sounds clear, bilateral respirations are even, no... um, What else would you say? I can't even think of what else to say because it's so normal. Um, No accessory muscles used on room air, like all that stuff, okay? Do they have respiratory systems? Or rest systems. Everyone has a respiratory system. I'm starting out great, by the way. Um, I'm very hungry, and so I'm trying to rush through this so I can go eat. But I'm going to take a breath and take my time. And also, uh, I edit these so I can take a break and go get a snack if I want. (laughs) Actually, maybe I'll do that. Okay. Starting over. Um, If they have no respiratory symptoms, then they have no respiratory symptoms. Are they on room air or not? Great. Moving on. GI issues, not their problem. GU issues, nah. They're peeing. You know what their issue is? They don't have a hand anymore. Sorry, didn't mean to shout, but come on. You know what I mean? Chart what really matters. And by that, I mean vitals and meds. 
meds and vitals. Literally no one looks at anything else. And again, controversial statement. But I dare you to ask one of the physicians that you work with what they thought of your body systems uh, charting. They don't fucking know. When they reach out to you, what do they want to know? And what's a patient's blood pressure? Have you given this med yet? Has a physician ever reached out to you and been like, did you hear bowel sounds in all quadrants? Did you find that their posterior lower left lobe was clear or crackles? They're not going to ask you that. They do not care. Vitals and meds, meds and vitals. Here's the thing, though. Charting by exception. If something is messed up, like this person doesn't have a hand on anymore, uh, you're going to chart the shit out of that for sure. I guess integumentary would be a good place to start. Um, Yeah. But otherwise, keep it lean. Don't spend all of your time in front of a computer. The second work goal is uh, I want to promote, like never before, break culture. We are a unionized hospital, which means that for every four hours, we get a 15-minute break. Now, that is in addition to our 30-minute break. Do we take those breaks? No. <laughs> like, nah, not really. Although I've got to say, this hospital does a better job at promoting break culture than any other place I've ever worked. Like, breakfast breaks are a thing here. And it's the nurses that I work with who promote this and make it happen. And I, it's important. You need to take breaks. It, breaks are just like non-negotiable. You need to take breaks and then you need to break your friends. And you, it's not just for meals. It's not just a breakfast break and a lunch break. It's, it's a break is a break. Just take a walk, do a wordle, uh, text a friend. Have a poo. Just like disappear. Walk away. Get some perspective in the middle of your workday. I just think it's important. Another goal, um, drink more water, have more pee breaks. I will hide my water bottle behind my computer screen. I do not give a fuck. It's insane to me, the idea that we would take water away from people who are constantly on their feet and have very physical jobs and then put that water bottle <laughs> like yards away from them. It just, going to get a drink of water is never going to be more important than looking up a medication interaction or charting on a patient or messaging that patient's physician. It's just like, it's never going to, so if I can have it there to drink while I do those things, that's the key. So that's what I do. Also, I will announce that I have to pee like a racehorse, not because I intend to wait that long, but because it normalizes pee culture. Normalize pee culture, okay? One pee during your 12-hour shift is not enough. Every 
oh God, I don't know, three to four hours you should be peeing. Announce it. I'm going to have a pee. I'm going to pee. I'm going to the restroom. I need five minutes. I'll be back. It's normal. Normalize it. Another goal I have is that patients will be warm, dry, and well-behaved. Warming patients, obviously, very important post-trauma. They often come in cold, especially in this climate. And warming them can be the difference between a rapid recovery and them developing complications that they will live with for the rest of their lives. Um, Also, patients being dry, so not sitting in their own urine. Speaking of pee culture, not that kind of pee culture. Uh, feces, sweat. I had a patient come in recently, had a stroke in a swimming pool, so he came in just soaked. Um, And I want that for my patient. I want them warm. I want them dry. I want them on a pure wick or a condom cath or a foley if we're all goddamn lucky. And they will be well-behaved. And if they're not well-behaved, they may leave. No problem with that. These are important things. And again, going back to the charting by exception, if you are constantly charting, your patients suffer. The more time you can spend with your patients, the more you're going to find that they need. Because once you get them warm and dry, maybe you can clean up around that lack on their head. Maybe you also realize they could do with a pair of socks. Maybe you also realize, oh, actually, as I was getting this patient all situated, that IV is about to come out. I should secure it. There's just, there's so much detail that you will never get to if you're spending all your time at the computer. And and you're not spending your time at the computer because you're a bad nurse. You're not spending your time at the computer because you don't want to help your patients get clean, dry, and warm. You're spending time at the computer because we've all been sold this line, this tale, that if you don't chart your ass off in every single category, you could be taken to court and prosecuted for your charting. It's something we all get, like, drilled into our head during nursing school. It's something we've all been made to be fearful of. Not just going to court, but having to go in front of the board of nursing even or a, a, a committee of your peers. I have sat on peer review councils before. And in both instances, and again, this is anecdotal, but it became very apparent to me that it was not the charting that was lacking. It was the patient care that was lacking. It was a blood sugar that wasn't rechecked. It was a stroke patient or a head bleed that didn't have um, a, a pupil reassessment. It was things like that. It was actual interventions. So yes, chart your interventions, but as previously mentioned, chart by exception. Obviously, a patient who's coming in for a stroke and getting TPA, those are very important assessments to chart. Do you need to chart pupils every hour on the hour for your guy who comes in with no hand because of rotary saw? 
No, that would be ridiculous. And if he had a, by some crazy coincidence, had a spontaneous head bleed, I really don't anticipate that you're going to be disciplined for not doing pupil checks on someone with a hand amputation. You know, like just spend your time where it will do the most good and makes the most sense. And if you're really not sure what that is at this point in your nursing, just keep assessing. I didn't show up on day one of my nursing career and go, I'm going to chart by exception and I feel great about that. No, I charted every little thing because I was still scared shitless by my nursing clinical instructors telling me that if I didn't chart every little thing, I was going to jail. But that's clearly not the case. And little by little, I realized that charting by exception and very focused charting frees you up to do those interventions that really need to be done for your patient. So this is a very elaborate way of saying <laughs> patients need to be warm, dry, and well-behaved and also medicate them and do their vitals and everything else. Um, another goal I have for my work life is the same goal I had for my work life last year, and that is to not get promoted. Do I occasionally charge the unit? Yes. Am I great at it? No. No, I'm not. But are the expectations really damn low when I charge? Yes, they are. And that's exactly what I want. It's exactly how I want it. I have managed to build a reputation of being reliable and being a good intermittent leader being someone who will occasionally pick up extra shifts, but not always. I'm not the star by any means. And that is perfect. It's perfect. I really like it. Um, other goals I have for work are kind of superfluous, and I don't know if they're really worth mentioning. Like, streamlining my morning makeup routine. Number one, why am I wearing makeup to work? Uh, I know why, so I can look alive. Um, number two, <laughs> I feel good when I wear makeup, probably because of societal standards of beauty that are imposed on um, us women and female presenting persons. Uh, but aside from that, yeah, I don't know why I do it. It would feel better if I didn't. And so I'm going to just kind of think about that. And maybe instead of just like showing up one day with zero makeup on, um, just dial back the four things that I do in the morning to go to work, which is mascara, under eye concealer, blush, and brows. That's it. I think I could probably stop with blush first because I wear a mask and there's like, you're not even going to see that. So it's a weird thing to do anyway. Um, I think I'll kick out the uh, under eye concealer next. I just do mascara and brows. I do really look ill though without the concealer is the only thing. <sighs> See, it's hard. Change is hard, everybody, but you can do it. What are we even talking about? Let's get to some tips and tricks. As promised, some tips and tricks for your life at work and how it's going to be so much better than the new year. Tip number one. 
consistency is key. So when charting by exception, the important part is to chart your ass off when it comes to abnormals. Fill in every field in that body system, but also... I find that a nice narrative in the comments section will do wonders to jog your memory when five months down the line someone asks about this patient and what you did and how they presented and what your interventions were. And just to say this, this has literally never happened to me in 11 years of nursing. I have never gotten a random email or a random summons to uh, talk about a patient I had five months ago. I've heard of it happening. I think I've known one nurse that it did happen to because there was a lawsuit against the hospital. But it's never happened to me. I think a, f a couple of times, two weeks later, I have been asked about something during for like a case review, that which is like a, the internal hospital uh, thing. But it's just very, very infrequent. So just spend your time where it's going to do the most good. Tip number two, serenity now. Uh, though the serenity prayer is pretty well rooted in patriarchal and oppressive religious practices, and for that reason I don't really um, like any of that, I do like the part about accepting the things we cannot change. That, that holds up over time. So patients, doctors, acting a fool, you can't change that. You can't control someone else's behavior. But you can probably anticipate it, not in the moment, but you know if it has happened before, it will happen again. And you can have your response ready. So you know there's going to be a doctor who disagrees with you in a very strong way and is wrong because it's happened before. You know there's going to be a patient who yells because they're not getting their way because it's happened so many times before. So have your response ready. You know, they can act how they like, but not to you. They don't get to act that way to you. And you just need to draw those lines and boundaries. And you don't have to work with a doctor like that, and you don't have to care for a patient like that. Both of them can just leave. <laughs> now, is that strictly true? No. Depending on the institution you work for, one of the most frustrating things is that you may have to continue caring for a violent patient and you may have to uh, continue working for a misogynist, verbally aggressive, even abusive um, doctor. And in those instances, maybe listen to my previous podcast about changing your life and your work location. <laughs> but also, there are ways to get around that, too. There are ways. You have more control in those situations than you think you do. And there are nurses who handle it well, and you've probably seen them handle it well at work. And so my recommendation would be to engage with those nurses and find out how they're handling it so well outside of ignoring it, which is not an option. Tip number three. Nursing is a team sport. You get help by being helpful. You can't be helpful if no one asks you for help and no one else gets to be helpful if you don't ask them for help. So do it. Ask for help and give help in return. It's a privilege. 
it is a privilege to help someone because that means they trust you. And it's a privilege for them to help you in return. So ask for it. Allow them to be that person who gets to help out because that, generally speaking, feels good for most people. Also, and I don't think I have to say this, but I will, don't just ask people to do shit because you don't want to do it. They, We can smell that from a mile away and you're going to get a bad rep. You're going to get a bad reputation for doing that. People are not going to want to help you. So don't even, don't even think about it. You probably won't. And lastly, I have one trick. Don't get promoted. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. You you think you will like it. You won't. You think the money will be better. It is not. If you need to change, go work somewhere else. Travel nurse. Go back to school. Leave nursing altogether. Whatever you got to do, just do not get promoted. Don't do it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and tell your nurse friends to listen. Less charting, more peeing, serenity now. Be the team player you want to see in your unit. Nursing is the shit, even when it is shit. It's the best job I've ever had. Don't get promoted. Thank you for listening, and have a safe shift. It's an EDRN is written and produced by me. Our senior editor is me. The theme song is written and performed by, tragically, also me. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the standards and positions of any healthcare entity that I may or may not be working for. Although I am a nurse, things I say in this podcast are not a stand-in for professional medical advice, and everything you hear from Randalls on the internet should absolutely be validated across multiple other reliable sources.